0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: This is the Conversation Hour with Rochelle Hunt and Jonathan Kendall on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria.
2: We need
3: to see people come in from overseas that actually see truck driving as an opportunity, That it won't be the only solution, but it will certainly go a lot. It, it will go a long way to um, alleviating some of the shortages. You know, people out here don't. You know, no longer see truck driving as an opportunity when they can go to the mines and there's so many other other roles they can
1: play. So why is that? Why don't people see truck driving as a viable career anymore? And what can we do to change that perception? That's Robert Kavanagh, a truck driver from New South Wales, speaking on AM last week. We've come to rely on delivery drivers dropping off everything from online groceries to takeaway and long-haul drivers are Mm. in demand at the moment, Rochelle.
0: We certainly have a shortage and we just briefly mentioned this before the press conference and we have already had page after page of texts come in as to why. This, I drove trucks in 1978 and again in 2000. I made $20 more in 2000 than I got in 1978. Howard back then declassified truck driving as a skill so he could lower The pay grade to a minimum wage. Who would work that hard with that much responsibility for minimum wages? And where else do you get fined up to $1,000 for making a mistake at work? That's from Kerry in Ballarat. And another here, Jono, that says pay truck drivers... Reform truck drivers' conditions, treat them more like pilots, ensuring that they are not under unrealistic time demands and we need support for families with absent parents. And that's just a few of the texts that we've received on this topic already.
1: Yeah, some potential solutions there. But one of the other solutions coming from the transport industry is that truck drivers from overseas should be brought in and given uh, eligibility for special visas to fill that gap. Is that a potential solution or is there another option, as you just heard in some of those texts there, Ish?
0: A more localised solution. So what changes do you think would be made to encourage people, maybe yourself, to drive trucks? Libby Patton is a truck driver. She's from the Mitter Valley and has been driving trucks for some time. Libby, what made you become a truck driver?
4: Hi, guys. Uh, I joined... The uh, truck driving force because it was something I'd always wanted to do. Um, it's it is attractive. Why is it attractive to you? I I suppose I found it challenging. Um, and for people out there that like that kind of career pathway to be challenging, it, it's definitely going to feel um, feel that need. It. A job that takes you outside, Um, you can do a lot of networking and you can get yourself very far in a career pathway without even realising it. Libby,
0: there's a lot of people that speak about, well, it's the lifestyle, you know, long hours on the road. I mean, there's one here saying there needs to be free amphetamines for truck drivers because every train road driver that I've spoken to felt forced to take it in order to make quotas. The job is not physically or safely possible for the average mortal. We hear that people are on the roads for long periods away from their families. You've got five kids. How hard is it to create work-life balance?
4: It is hard, definitely. Um, I I have a a lot of structure and a lot of help um, to keep myself involved in the industry with five children, but not everyone's in my position. Um, As a female, they're the challenges that I face, but as a majority of the workforce is male, I don't think they um, need to tackle that as much as what myself and other women do. Mm.
1: And you've actually been part of a mentor type program, haven't you?
4: Yes, I have. um, When I first started my career, I was um, at a commercial company um, who, who already set the structure in place that I would be teamed up with a higher, more experienced driver that could become a mentor to help ease me into the industry.
0: What do you think the solutions are, Libby? How do we get more people on the road? I mean, short term, is it that we need overseas drivers on special visas? A little later, we're going to be speaking to a training company and they actually say they've got heaps of people that are wanting to train. So could this solution be more localised than having to bring people from overseas to drive trucks? A
4: hundred percent either way. Definitely you could bring people in from overseas if um, if that was the case you know like we see our harvest uh, seasons are basically run by backpackers um, and a lot of gap year students um, but you could definitely use the local workforce there are a lot of people out there that are wanting to have a crack at the career but their lack of experience doesn't get their foot in the door so these Mentoring programs that are starting to be rolled out within the commercial companies are a great way, and training organisations are starting to realise that they can facilitate that.
1: I just got a text here, Libby saying no, I worked in transport for years. We can get truck drivers here, it's the employee, employers, excuse me, who need to treat staff better. Many are very poor employers with unreasonable expectations and cowboy attitudes. What do you reckon about that?
4: Oh, there's a few out there, but isn't there um, interesting bosses everywhere? Is it a part <laughs> well, in- of the problem, though? I mean,
0: if, is that, if we're talking about it having an image problem or people being discouraged to, to do
4: it, is that something that needs to be looked into? Uh, well, if you were going for a job, would you go for someone that had a bad reputation? really if you're going to go hunting for a truck driving job a job you should be seeking out somewhere that is matching what it is that you're seeking don't just go for the first offer that's rolled out make sure you go and have a chat to the boss make sure you're happy with the workplace culture
0: so Libby just finally if you know your elevator pitch if you had 20 seconds in the elevator to say to somebody why driving a truck is is a good career move what would it be
4: Oh, my goodness. Don't underestimate where it can take you. A a light, rigid driver for Australia Post could end up as an operational manager anywhere in in the world in Australia. There are so many skills that you are going to learn. Take it as a gap year project before you go off to uni to be an accountant or whatever it is that you want. Just encourage yourself to have a crack at it and see where it goes.
1: Good on you, Libby. Thank you so much. I think you've just found the slogan for an ad campaign to attract people to be truck drivers. Truck driving, it can take your places. I like that, Libby. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Libby Patton, a truck driver from the Mitter Valley and talking there about why she chose to become a truck driver. That's exactly what we're talking about today. How do we encourage more people to do it? Because there is a shortage. Mick is in Greendale. Morning, Mick. What are you thinking?
5: Oh, good morning. I just wanted to bring up something that's probably never talked about, yeah, it's I think it's um, it's very common. Uh, it's, it's a, we're talking about bringing in immigrants from overseas to drive trucks, and that's all well and good, but the level of abuse and vilification that particularly Indian truck drivers face on a nightly basis, um, it's just disgraceful. It's a real black mark on the transport industry. It's, there is no other workplace in this country that would have this level of abuse. And I'm not Indian, I'm Anglo-Saxon, but there's no other workplace in the country would... would
0: so how do you know that's happen. a problem then, Mick?
5: How have you witnessed it? I uh, look, there's Facebook pages dedicated to Indians making mistakes in trucks and, the, and it's just the language on the Facebook pages. I hear it on the UHF radio every night. So all these trucks, I run interstate, all these trucks have UHF radios. Mm-hmm. And the the level of abuse is, is just. I'm not going to repeat any of it. No, but It's God, just unrepeatable. It's just withering. And why in God's name, would well, an Indian, for example, he wouldn't be saying to his mates, "Hey, come and drive a truck." No, no one deserves to be abused the level and the intent that these guys get abused at nightly. It's it's unbelievable. And if, there's no there's no transport body. There's no organisation. There's no association that even makes an utterance of this anywhere it's just this black slur on the transport industry that's just swept under the carpet and it's a mick, it's
0: a really important point that you raise it's actually something that i wasn't aware of and mick raises a good point too there about a transport buddy you know this is often seen as a really kind of lonely solo gig John, mm. you know you've got to like your own company don't you to, yeah. to drive yeah. a truck and the safety that goes alongside with being a, a solo operator as well
1: Yeah, it is a dangerous job too because you're on the road so much. So I think there was a a Monash Uni study done back in 2018 showing that truck driving is the most common occupation in male Australians but also that it is a... Well, it's... uh, Truck drivers have a 13-fold higher risk of dying at work than other Australian Mm -hmm. workers. So it is a dangerous job as well. Aaron is in Bairnsdale. Morning, Aaron.
5: Uh, Good morning, Jono. Go ahead. Uh, Yeah, um... Mine's just another example of it's, it's, I think, half of the problem is the money. It, it, there's, the reward for effort is, is gone. Um, I'll give you an example. I'm here in Bensdale, and uh, a friend of mine uh, years ago used to deliver soft drink around the area, direct for a, a large corporation, and from Bensdale to the border. And, and the money he was on, it was good, steady money, and he was home every night. Um, and then he left that job and went to another job. And it just so happens a neighbour of mine, uh, he took the job on. Five years later, by that time it had been subbed to a large local transport company um, and he's still delivering the same soft drink and he was on almost exactly Mm. half the money that the other guy was on five years beforehand. Well, we had the
0: one that is even worse than that. There was $20 more and the difference was 1978 to 2000. And, oh, here's a little pay rise. Here's a lobster for your hard work. Thanks very much. Good on you, Aaron. Thank you. Shaz sent us a message. Rochelle and Jono, we've got four boys. My husband is an interstate truck driver, has been his whole life. We discourage our boys and tell them to look elsewhere for employment.
1: Mm. Yeah, and that's a really good point that Aaron from Bairn made there, that that even later on, you're getting paid less than than what people were years before. So, I mean, that points to structural issues within the truck driving industry. Let's have a chat with Peter Anderson about that. He's Chief Executive of Victorian Transport Association. Good morning, Peter. Why would anyone want to drive a truck these days?
3: Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, uh, Um, Jono. Look, it is a great career. Um, and we're trying to ensure that people see it as a career. That we've got lots of impediments and lots of negative history, and there's and there's many things that we could be doing to uh, to improve the image. But it's not just about the image; it's about how the industry is actually structured, and how the, and how those structures actually encourage people to come into our industry. So it's not just about a social um, mm. a social or, or, or image issue; it's about how the industry actually operates itself.
0: How do you change that then?
3: Well, one of the things we're doing is is trying to put some uh, greater emphasis into training people before they come into our industry. Um, we'd like to see, and we'd also like to see 18-year-olds look at our industry, but the structure of getting a heavy vehicle licence prohibits them from doing that. Hmm. So we can't train young That's people a big to come call. into our I,
0: industry. Can I push back on that a little bit, Peter? Sure. 18 years of age, you probably haven't been driving unassisted for, for very long, and you're going to put an 18-year-old
3: behind the wheel of a be double is that really a solution look a person trained properly can do the job properly it doesn't mean that everybody can do the same job not everybody's going to be a brain surgeon um yeah, but, but brain surgeons to, aren't 18 but you have to train for it and the thing is that i mean you can fly a plane at 16 years of age we can train you to shoot a gun and, and fight overseas and kill people at 18 years of age but we don't think we can train people to to drive safely on our roads at 18 and, Should I, and, we... and, and we're contesting that very strongly
1: Should we be putting the job of truck driver on the priority migration skilled occupation list, so giving people special visas to come to Australia to drive trucks?
3: What we don't want, well, yes and no. (laughs) It's a difficult question because what we don't want are people who are untrained on the road. We don't want people who are unschooled. I don't care what nationality they are. Um, we, we we want them trained, understanding the rules, applying the, the right skills and applications and disciplines and ensuring that they're, they're the safest drivers on the road, the most professional drivers on the road.
0: As it stands at the moment, Peter, if many people unfortunately as a result of COVID have lost work or maybe don't have faith that their industry is going to be around or give them secure employment, so they're thinking, okay, what else can I do? We've also realised just how much we rely on truck drivers, so it may actually seem like a, a feasible career for a lot of people. How much training do you need to undertake? Could Jono or I just walk in tomorrow and s- to a tr- truck company and say, look, I've had my
3: licence for X amount of years, can I drive a truck? That's very much the problem. See, people, it's a very low threshold to entry. And you could, you, could be, you could have a drug license tomorrow, Michelle, quite easily. And the issue we have there is the fact that it, then people don't see our industry as a career. They just see it as a short-term job and something to fill in between doing something else. I mean, that's what that's not what the industry is about. The industry provides a great regular income. You'll never lose your job if you do the job properly. And you'll keep going up in grade. You'll keep going up in, in value, and you'll keep getting a better and better lifestyle. Keeping in mind that only five percent of of the freight task travels interstate, fifteen percent travels intrastate, and eighty percent of the freight task travels less than one hundred kilometres from the point of departure. So you sleep in your bed in your own bed every night. You're not, you're not sleeping in the. Most people don't sleep in their truck.
1: Well, um, Libby Patton has already figured out a slogan for your advertising campaign, Truck Driving, It Can Take Your Places, which is great. But I just want to bring you back to, um, to this 2018 report from Monash University from the School of Public Health and Preventative Medicine. It said, well, the, the, the author of that study said, truck driving is a job with too many health risks. It has long working hours, lots of sitting, poor nutrition, social isolation, shift work, time pressure, low levels of job control, all in addition to the risk of road crashes. So how do you, with all of those barriers and all of those problems,
3: how do you say, look, this is a great career? All, all those things are issues within our industry that we're trying to address. The VTA is running a very strong mental health program for, for cultural change within large organisations to ensure that they recognise the value of their workers being, they drive, the, being, being, being drivers or whomever in their workplace, for example. That in itself, that cultural change within businesses, actually will add to a, a great benefit within the industry. We're also running a program of, of training people um, to drive a truck, which is, which is an eight-day course, eight days behind the wheel under instruction to ensure that you, that you um, understand what the, what the true nature of the work is. And we, 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 we get people job ready out of that program, we've put, we've placed 160 people throughout uh, Victoria into careers in our industry based on the training that they've received through. Yeah, the well, we're arts. going to speak
0: to a trainer in just a moment. But just finally, yeah. Peter Addison, I mean, what do you, th- Anderson? I should say, the priority <laughs> migration skilled occupation list is that something that you think needs to be considered at least in the short term to get enough dr- drivers on the road?
3: Look, it, it will fill a gap but it won't do what we really, what the industry really needs to do. We've got nearly three, over 3,000 drivers short in the industry right now, and, and we need more drivers, there's no doubt about that. And putting it, putting, putting it on the skills occupation list is, is a start, but it's not where we want to be. We actually want young people to see our industry as a career because they get trained, they get looked after, and they, can, and they have a strong life going forward. And that's what we believe we can deliver if we get the reform. Peter Anderson,
1: thank you very much. Chief Executive, for for of the, uh, Chief Executive of the Victorian Transport Association, Peter Anderson there. Michael is in Melbourne. Morning, Michael. What do you think about all this?
3: Good morning. I'm, I'm, I'm a driver and um, just listening to a previous comment that uh, was made about training. One
2: could uh, make this uh, like an apprenticeship scheme, like a, a plumber or a carpenter would go through
0: Well, you'd have company, and yeah, you'd be teaching someone along the way. I mean, you just heard then all of the reasons as to why it could potentially be a career and lifestyle, and yet there's lots of texts coming in that are saying, "Hang on a second, that's just not the case." What's your experience been like, Michael? Is it something that you would encourage someone that you love to get into? Yes, you could. um, I would
5: encourage people to do it
3: because there is a lot to learn. Uh, and you do learn a lot, like uh, another core had mentioned before. So, But I think it could be made a little bit more formal,
2: like having an apprenticeship sort of scheme. So, yeah.
1: yeah fair enough. Good point, Michael. Thank you for that. And um, there's a couple of different texts on this. Uh, one text says this should be about expectations. Amy from West Footscray says, as consumers, we need to reduce our expectations of delivery. I'm a former manager of a warehouse in Melbourne where customers in Brisbane would expect next day delivery. There's just too much pressure on drivers. And I've seen that a bit, Rish, too. People um, shopping online, they'll think, oh, I'm not going to wait a week to get something. Mm. I want something now. I want instant gratification. It's very
0: different. And lots of texts along the lines of, should we be relying on truck drivers or maybe we should be looking more towards rail? And that's something that I'm not has been debated for a very long time. This text, truck driving sweat industry took years off my life. And many saying we need to encourage our own kids and workers to see truck driving as a great, responsible and rewarding drop. That's from Ruth, who's been a truck driver for years. And also Helen in Carlton North sent us a message. And I've noticed here something, Jono, that I didn't expect. Lots of women, lots of Mm. women have been sending in messages that they do it. We spoke to Libby as well. But Helen, says, I'm 45 uh, as a woman. I did a truck driver's operation six weeks, part-time, did a course, TAFE near Wodonga, great course, obtained heavy vehicle licence and employees expect expressed interest in hiring me but said I had to have a two-year heavy vehicle driver's license experience. The insurance would be too high for them. I had a lot of difficulty finding work even when I was well trained with a license. I was lucky to get a job with a PT, as a,
1: with a bus company, which I absolutely loved and they further trained me as oh well. Well, that's interesting. That's really, really interesting. Thank you for that text. Mike Hatfield is uh, Business Development Manager at TDT, which is Transport Driver Training. Uh, good morning, Mike.
2: Hi, hey, How are you?
1: I'm all right. Um, do you see lots of people coming to you or have you seen an increase in people coming to you wanting their truck licence?
2: We've definitely seen a huge increase in the number of licences during COVID. Um, when, it, when it first hit last year, we were very quiet for the first week once people realised that we could... Uh, train uh, people for, as an essential service. Um, our bookings have gone through the roof for the last 18 months or since March last year.
0: Is the training so, enough? Do you think if, you were, if this was the first time you walked in and thought about or considered driving a truck, is, are the hours enough to get you fit and safe on the road?
2: Well, the, the, the issue is that depending on what truck license you go for, if you're starting at the light rigid, medium rigid, heavy rigid level, um, you, which you can go to a heavy rigid after two years of having a, having a car licence, it's a sort of step. The, ne- the next stage out of that is your heavy combination and multi-combination. They've had that experience in their cars, They're in a, you know, which is obviously a light vehicle, they go into the heavy vehicles and they do get trained. So we've got our, our, our programs as per uh, accreditation by VicRoads to train a licence as per, as per that criteria. That, uh, that criteria.
1: And how many hours do they have to do in their, their truck? So say they've had their car licence for two years and then they yep. want to go for their heavy rigid or whatever it might be. How many hours do they have to do behind the wheel of a truck?
2: If they're, um, if they're inexperienced, there's an eight-hour course, and it depends on the gearbox as well. That's in an automatic gearbox or a manual gearbox. We call it synchro. And there's a 12-hour course for a non-synchromesh gearbox. That's not for long. Du- du- double clutching and 18 gears.
1: So I could go and get a license um, if I clock up eight hours because I've had my car license for two years. I yep. could um, go and do eight hours behind a heavy rigid truck, and then I'd get my license. If I, you know, if I demonstrate that I'd learnt something, if you, went, I, if
2: you pass a test, yeah, yeah, pass a test, <laughs> I could have my
1: license after doing eight hours behind. It. I mean, is that do you think we need a few more hours behind the wheel of a big truck?
2: Um, that's probably not for me to give, make that call, but all I can say is the license is the legal part of. It's uh, the first part of their experience in changing their careers or what are they doing with the truck licenses. You also got to remember, too, that some of the, the, the licensing, they might start off with a light rigid truck, then a medium rigid truck. They get experience after 12 months and they go into the heavy rigids and then they go into the obviously the heavy combinations with stuff. It's, it's a it's, forum on the number of hours.
0: Who are you seeing? I mean, are you seeing a, any kind of pattern with age or gender that are coming through and maybe thinking about retraining as a truck driver?
2: Um, all types. You know, you mentioned women, lots of women coming through, lots of unemployed, especially when people have been put off through the through COVID, um, they jump on the phones and and, and get onto us. And, and it's not only just us, there's, there's 17 licensed license providers in Victoria, and we're all busy because of this. Okay, so the shortage, yes, yeah, there's a shortage, but there's also a lot of training happening in the background to, to try to fill that void.
1: So it sounds like... There's pressure on you to actually get people trained and get people ready. Do you stay in touch with people after you've trained them and find out where they've gone and how they're going?
2: Not, not so much us. We're just trainers. We're not like an employment agency. Um, but we do get, obviously, we get pre, uh, previous uh, candidates coming through who we do catch up with, and we've got, you know, we've got a fairly big corporate presence. So there's a lot of retraining and training over there. This after who we do see again, yeah.
0: I know that, and we've spoken about this in the past, that some pilots are, are retraining in, in various areas. Have you had many pilots think, okay, well, one big heavy machine maybe to another? Have you had many pilots? I had, a, I had,
2: a, I had an experience last year with a guy who had been uh, worked for uh, one of the airlines, probably Virgin, um, who was an international pilot who had been out of work for two months after when the COVID first hit. He rang me up. He actually broke down on the phone. Um, because he, could, he got all these qualifications to be able to fly all these huge equipment around the world and highly, highly trained, yet he couldn't put food on the table. So he turned to the transport or truck to to be able to feed his family. So... He broke down on the phone, it
0: sort of broke my heart. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think a pilot behind a, a truck, I, for some reason, I would think that he'd do all right or she would do all right and would know <laughs> what they were doing. I'm not sure whether the skills are transferable or not, but not maybe as, it's not, a trust thing.
2: <laughs> not, not as wide as a plane.
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's easier to land, hopefully. Anyway, yeah. look, um, thank you so much for, uh, for having a chat with us, Mike. Mike Hatfield, Business Development Manager at TDT Transport, and they run driver training. Rish, lots of text on this. This doesn't have a name on it, but it just says $26 an hour for an owner-driver after expenses and investing $45,000 in a van. No benefits, Mm. no holidays. How is that fair? I know another
0: saying there's a lot of social stigma attached to truck driving. We're seen as drug-taking cowboys, but most truck drivers are professional operators. That's from Matthew. Graham's in Ballarat. Graham, welcome.
2: Hi, thank you. What did you want Um, to say? Yeah, um, back in the early 80s, I was in the CFA in Gippsland and and I got my licence to di- drive a 10-ton vehicle, which is a standard fire truck, and since then my licence keeps getting promoted and I've had no tests whatsoever and I'm now heavy rigid. And you haven't done anything? I haven't done anything, no. I haven't driven one because I wouldn't dare, but, <laughs> but this is how the system's gone. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and the other thing I might say, um, I'm a clergyman, and I've buried a number of truckies in country areas who were, you know, killed in road accidents. And the common complaint of their families was the timetables are too tight.
4: Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, we hear that time oh, yeah, and, and that time, time again. I'm sorry that you
0: had to do that. But it's a, it's a stark reality of the profession as well. Mark, thank you. Jono, you know, on this program over the last couple of years, you know, we've spoken to so many truck drivers and dedicated so many shows to truck drivers. And it was one of the probably the most emotional shows we did was really early on in COVID when there was finally an understanding of what these men and women do and what their work is like day in, day out and how much we rely on them yet that we just take them for granted and that's all kind of coming to a head right now, but it does need to look at If we need more, then make the conditions right.
1: Yeah, and I remember thinking that uh, last year during the long lockdown, like how are these truck drivers going to be stopping um, to get food and to sleep overnight and get access to facilities, etc. But just on that danger, the danger of driving um, Um, That Monash study from 2018 showing that truck drivers have a 13-fold higher risk of dying at work than any other Australian. Now, it's just incredible when you think about that, Rish. But if you did miss any of today's conversation, you can catch up by accessing the Conversation Hour podcast. It is on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcast.
0: That's it for today's Conversation Hour. As always, thanks for listening. Take care, and we'll speak with you soon.